Uh, if you would uh, turn with me, if, if you are willing and able, or pull it up on a Bible app. Um, but I'm going to be reading a passage this morning from Ephesians, um, and then another from John 14. So we'll start in Ephesians 4, verse 5. There is one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, in all, and living through all. However, he has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. And then we'll skip ahead to verse 11. Now these are the gifts, gifts Christ gave the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we have come to such unity of our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. And then John 14, 21. Those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my Father will love them. And I will love them and reveal myself to each of them. This is the word of the Lord. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for your word. Father, thank you uh, for this gift that we have, this word made flesh in Jesus. We ask that you would um, reveal yourself to us in a new and fresh way. Father, speak uh, clearly and definitely beyond my words, um, which will probably be inaccurate or off at some point. Father, I ask that your voice would ring loud and true. Amen. All right, everybody, deep breath in. Now I let it out. Okay, we made it. Um, and I only forgot the Lord's Prayer and sort of messed up Gloria Patri, so we're okay. We got, we got, it, we got it all in there. Each one of us brings into this place a, a history. That history, whether you like it or not, whether you acknowledge it or not, shapes your perspective. Your experience shapes the paradigm that you view the world through. It shapes the, the paradigm that you view this service through, scripture through. Everything is shaped by this. And God in his faithfulness knew this about us. And so whenever he um, sent his son and Jesus um, died on the cross and after three days was, was raised from the dead and he spent some time with these believers and he was commissioning them and sending them out, before he ascended, he, he, he said, I'm putting you together for a reason and I'm sending the Holy Spirit who will uh, encourage you and correct you. And so when we join together, we bring all of these experiences together. And so as, as that uh, piece of uh, the church as that function of the church that maybe I think sometimes is a little missing, a little lacking. Um, it is the combination of each and every single one of our stories that makes this time together so beautiful. And so, a few weeks ago, um, March 17th, I sat down with the council and we started talking about um, it's my first introduction to resurrection, um, and I got to hear part of your story. I got to hear the story of men and women who faithfully served the Lord, 
through the context of their local church, who faithfully walked out the mission of the gospel to be justice and mercy and grace and peace to a world in need, a light to a world in need. I heard this story of decades of faithful service. And then I heard part of your story, which was the heartbreak of stepping away from where you had served, where you had sowed, where you had children baptized and married, where you had grandchildren baptized, where you, where you experienced this beautiful walk of faith, this journey and joy, and the heartbreak that was in that. I heard it. I heard this story. And then yet in that moment, there was a switch. And it was this like, but God's doing this thing right now. And we don't know what it is. And we don't, like, we're just, we're just being obedient. And we're faithfully following this direction that the Lord has put in front of us. And yeah, it meant that we had to walk away from this thing that we've loved and served so faithfully. And this expression of, of the body of Christ. And but we're okay with that. And I sat there. You can ask Liz. I, I came back from that interview and hearing this story. And I said, I want to join up with a group of believers that walks in that level of obedience. And so I will say this. I do not know you all. And you all don't know me. We're going to do that as we walk these days out ahead. But what I do know is that the story of Resurrection Global Methodist Church is defined by obedience. This is my first time to, to serve as a lead pastor. I've been in ministry for 15 years. And um, for seven of those 15 years, this was not my dream. Seven of the 15 serving in ministry, I swore up and down that I would never be a lead pastor. <laughs> Stories and experiences, right? And I had my reasons for that. And, and I, there's, there's a whole lot in, in my story, but um, it wasn't till about eight years ago when I, when I really came to a point where I was at the end of my rope and I had to, and I had to decide, was I gonna live a life of surrender or I, was I gonna live my own existence based off of what I was telling God I would and would not do. And it was eight years ago that this moment was birthed as a dream in my heart. And as I've walked out those eight years, I've met my wife and moved bunches of times. Um, even in just, we celebrated five years of marriage this weekend. And, uh, and in that five years, we've got like Three states and four houses and five jobs, two dogs. Um, we rapid fire. I didn't. I didn't realize till this week when Facebook reminded me that our one year anniversary was in Ohio. We we literally got married in May of 2018, and by May of 2019, we were in a completely different state with completely different jobs. Um, and I don't even think I had I I started a journey yet. Um, I didn't have a job. But the Lord told us to go. And so what I've learned in these eight years, the first seven, we're just going to call that God's grace period over Jason. 
which still is the next eight, but at least <laughs> the next eight um, years and even in these last five years, I will say um, I'm learning that my story has to be defined by obedience as well. And when I find myself running into a brick wall or what feels like a brick wall, it is almost always disobedience. The Lord has given a direction. So let's, let's talk about what is, what is obedience. Um, you don't hear the word very often. You don't hear it in the church. You don't hear it really anywhere because obedience implies a subjugation. It, it implies a, uh, almost like, a, like a, there's like a sour taste in it for people that feel like, well, I don't have to be obedient. Like we can be friends and partners and we'll do things together, but like, don't tell me what to do. That's kind of the heart position of human beings in general. Um, and so in the church, what we've, what we've kind of done is we've kind of like said, if I can just convince you, if I can just like build a strong enough case as to why you should um, structure your life in X, Y, and Z, and all these different things, then if I can convince you, then it won't feel like obedience. It'll feel like your own idea. <laughs> um, and I don't think it's going very well um, for us as the big C church, um, but we're still trying. Um, instead of really relying on the truth that we are called to live lives that are obedient to Christ, even beyond our understanding. And so as we step into John 14, 21, it says, those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my father will love them. And I will love them and reveal myself to each of them. I love this first thing that pops out here in, in 21 where he says, those who accept my commandments, there, is, there, there cannot be obedience without acceptance. I cannot reject the truth found in scripture or the truth found through a revelation of the Holy Spirit, which by the way, will be confirmed through scripture. But when the Holy Spirit speaks something, it will align to scripture. But I cannot reject those things and, and hope to walk in obedience. It's like if you never give me the instruction, then I'm not being disobedient. Not accurate. So a lot of times as believers, we'll shy away from things that we know are going to be direction, directives or, or going to be convicting. I don't really want to look at that right now, Lord. And so a lot of times what we call rejecting, because I don't think any of us would stand in this place and say, um, yes, I'm rejecting what the Lord is telling me to do or the truth I find in scripture. But what we see in the church at large, and I believe, honestly, if we're going to be honest, look in our own hearts individually, we don't, it's, it's more of an ignoring. We just, if I can, well, we're not going to talk about that right now. I'm put that over here. I cannot live from that place and then say I'm walking in obedience to the Lord. Second thing that jumped out. Um, those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones that love me. You can read that in a harsh tone. And as a matter of fact, if you come from a legalistic background, it has been read in a hard tone. Where you're disobedient, you do not love me or you don't love the Lord. And it's this obedience as like this litmus test of love, but what if we looked at it the other way around? 
What if, what if we said, out of the outpour of love, out of the overflow of love, one, that the love, the love that God has shown us through his son, Jesus, that obedience just kind of wells up out of that place. And so when, when I'm walking through, um, I, if, I'm, if I'm fully connected to the amount and the weight and the depth to the best of my understanding of the love of Christ, then there is a natural outflow of obedience that will follow that. And it doesn't have to be this like pass-fail system that we've kind of gotten into, but it's more of a, it's more of a thermometer where it's like, oh man, like, man, I was walking in disobedience. I was trying, I was, was ignoring that. Man, gosh, man, what, where am I disconnected from how much you love me and how much you want for me and how good you've been and how good I know you're going to be because like, I'm walking this thing out in faith. Like that is, that's a really healthy place for us to look at this idea of obedience. And then finally, um, the last part of that verse, it says, I will love them and reveal myself to each of them. Jesus longs to reveal himself to you. He longs to reveal himself to me. He longs to reveal himself to us. This idea that we just serve blindly. I think the way I wrote it here is, do you know what God's voice sounds like? Do you know what his presence feels like? Do you know what his breath smells like? And that's weird, I know. But just think about it. We talk about, we sing songs, you know, breath of heaven talking about, but like when the Lord breathes, like what is that sense? Is it, is it a reality in your life? How does it manifest? Because it is incredibly hard to be obedient to something that you do not know. The more I know of God, the more I'm drawn to him. The more that I walk in the truth of the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross in this life that I have through his life, death, and resurrection, the more my own heart is opened up and drawn. And, and obedience is not um, a battle anymore. It becomes a natural overflow of the love that I was shown by God. And that's hard for us. It was hard for Adam and Eve too, by the way. This is a human thing. This is like, this is not new information. I don't believe as crazy as the world is around us. Um, the, the, what we're seeing in, in the earth is, is not any different than what we've seen for the history of humanity, which is a loving God that longs to be in covenant relationship with each and every single one of you. And when that covenant is broken, like he, he, he draws us. He draws us in. So what does that mean for us as a church? One, I, mean, I meant what I said when I, when I said that the story um, of Resurrection Global Methodist Church is a story of obedience. But what does that mean for today as we move forward? And here is... Um, Think something that the Lord just gave me, and I'm going to not apologize in advance, but I want you just to brace yourself, okay? And they're like, oh, I knew it was coming. <laughs> Brought in this young guy. He's going to start rattling it up. 
But there are countless books on leadership and church growth programs that, are, that would tell me that on a day like today, my job is to set a vision or a mission statement that will plaster on the walls and will be our rallying cry for the next 10 to 20 years. That's what I'm supposed to be doing in this moment. Church, I would just offer this to us this morning. What if our mission was simply this? Our mission would be to live lives fully surrendered in obedience to the voice of the Lord and the truth of his word. I think if we can, if we can do that well, we're good. And you say, but what about our programs and ministries? And what about the, the, the my only answer is we'll have them. Like, they'll exist, right? Um, what, like, because those will be obedient out overflows of what God has put in front of us. And he's going to put it on your heart. He's going to say, hey, I've equipped you for this. Now walk in obedience and, and let's go and let's serve this um, part of our community. Or I equipped you for this. Now, now walk in obedience. And yes, I want you to take on that Sunday school class. Now, I put this in your heart, and I've equipped you for it. Now, walk in obedience. And that we would be a church that when we see that happening in the brothers and sisters that are around us, that we would go, yeah. It's like, that's it. And that we would step away from the, the, the mindset and mentality that we have to, we have to, be the end-all, be-all for everything that anyone could ever possibly need because I'm telling you right now, the only person that can provide for every possible need that we can think of is Jesus. But he does it as his people walk in obedience. So I don't have a three-point mission statement. I just don't. But what I do have is this burning passion in my gut that says, what would it be like if the people of God gathered together and genuinely and authentically walked in obedience to the voice of the Lord and the truth of scripture? Because if we can do that, come on. And will we mess up? Yup. <laughs> we will. We'll miss it. We'll step out into something. And it was like, oh, I had no business being here. <laughs> and then guess what? We say, all right. I just learned something new about the Lord, about myself, about this whole thing. And I, man, I, I was wrong on that. Repent. Sorry, Lord. <laughs> Can, yeah, great. And then we go right back. What's the next thing? I'm going to step in obedience in that too. We've become so gun-shy. Gun we've become so, um, um, as the church, we've just become so uh, content to lean on a system because it produces safe results. And you guys are living proof that sometimes systems are not what we're called to. And sometimes systems, even in their best intent, put us in a position where, we, where we're going to have to choose. Am I going to walk in obedience to the voice of the Lord and the truth of Scripture?
So let's not build another system. Let's walk in accountability. Let's walk in honesty and vulnerability. And let's be obedient to the Lord. All right, so what does that look like? How am I doing on time? Semi-good. <laughs> I mean, eight years of this dream, so sorry. Um, <laughs> let's move through this verse in Ephesians. Yeah, you guys, you guys are like, man, he hasn't even read the long passage yet. Oh, Lord. <laughs> so let's go to Ephesians 4, starting in verse 5. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, Father of all, who is over all and in all, living through all. And the church said, amen. amen. Does not change. Does not, that doesn't fluctuate. We're not going to negotiate that part. All right? Um, however, hold on a second. <laughs> Paul, what did, you just, what did you just say? However, he has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. So church, I would ask you, do you know what your gift is? Do you know what it is? Okay, well, cool. He gives us some more instruction down here in verse 11. Now these are the gifts Christ gave. And I love that, Judy, that you brought this up. This is not the whole list. This is just the list we're going to dive into today. It's a small little bite-sized list. Now these are the gifts Christ gave the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we come into such a unity in our faith and knowledge of God's son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. You have a distinct, unique purpose and gift. I do not care if you have been following the Lord faithfully for your entire life. I do not care. One of the things that John told me in one of our first phone calls and meetings was, we're an older congregation. And to that I say yes and amen. But that doesn't define or um, exempt you from the truth that you have a purpose, a unique purpose and a unique gift. But this is a way I've always done it. Great, let's do it different. Because you have a unique purpose and a unique gift. Because I would say the same thing to the person who has just started following the Lord 30 minutes ago. Because what they would say is, I don't know enough. But like, no, but you have a unique purpose and a unique gift. Do you see that? Where it doesn't matter what, what the story is that brought us here. We, we are all in a position where we are simply called to respond in obedience. And we trust the Lord with the rest of that. So you have a unique gift. We can't stop at verse six. So if we started, if we stopped it, there's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, Father of all, who is over all and living through all. If we stopped there, we would be cutting this entire process short because that alone is not the framework and the, the, the nuts and bolts of who we are as the church. However, he has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. And so as we move um, in, into this season, as we begin to walk in obedience to the Lord, just know, apostle, prophet, teacher, shepherd, evangelist. And you might be sitting here today, you might be like, a couple of those words kind of scare me. Right? 
Like I say prophet and you're like, hold on a second. <laughs> no, thank you. So let me, let me, I'm just going to take two minutes. And this is something Lord actually just kind of revealed as Charlie was speaking in, in, in Sunday school. Um, the apostle is simply the architect. He takes the blueprint of the kingdom and, 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 and begins to distribute it. And, and the, the prophet is the foreman. That as the blueprint is being built and constructed, he can say that's out of alignment. Guys, come over here. Like we had the apostles' blueprint, so we, this, this is out of alignment, and he'll put it into alignment. And um, I don't have a great analogy, but the teacher literally just teaches. He teaches what is actually happening as this part of the blueprint comes together. What does this actually mean for this like function of the kingdom and this function of your faith and my faith to work together? How is this actually what's it rooted in? So the teacher teaches and gives kind of like in a way that more people can have an understanding of the blueprint. Have you any architects in the room? Have you ever looked at a blueprint? Sometimes it's chicken scratch. You're like, I don't know what that means. A teacher will reveal those things. Shepherds come alongside as the construction's being done, and they say, what are your needs? Where can I serve you? They're the medics as well. Were you busted up? And then the evangelists are the ones that are like, uh, looks like you need about 53 more people in order to get this done. I'm going to go out here. I'm going to start to tell people about the work that's taking place. I'm going to start to tell them about this thing that is being constructed. So don't let the words scare you. But these are the ways that we've been equipped. And then I think the, the biggest thing, and, I'll, and I'll, I'll land on this. In this verse, it, it speaks to... Um, in verse 13, it says, This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord. Maturity is not um, defined by time. Maturity is defined by connection and relationship over time. My wife and I have been married five years. If we would have married five years ago and then I moved to Alaska... And she stayed in Texas. And I came back this week and we celebrated five years of marriage. How, how mature would our love be? How, there would, it would not. Because maturity is defined by connection, relationship, intimacy over time that develops an accuracy within us. And so that's what we're called to. And it is the overflow, organic overflow of obedience. If you're walking in obedience to the Lord, you, you, will, you will see growth and maturity. If our church is walking in obedience to the Lord, we will see growth and maturity. And I don't mean numerical growth, even though that will probably happen too. Like if we want, if we just want to fill up these seats, then we can sure try that. And Lord, 
we, we, we surrender the whole thing to you. It's whatever you want. But we will be a church that is defined by obedience. So when you come into this place and you sit down, you are going to be offered an opportunity to walk in obedience to the voice of the Lord and the truth of Scripture. And in that, we become a culture-defining, world-shaking, unreal expression of the love of God that'll flip Arlington up on its head because that's what God's love does. Come on. So, the responsibility for each and every single one of us today is this. Do you know what the voice of the Lord sounds like? Do you know what he has equipped you for? And by the way, there is zero shame, there is no problem in saying, I don't. I'm not, or I'm unclear. Or at one time I, I, I knew, but in this season, I, I'm really kind of unsure. Let's walk into that process together so that we can accurately say yes in obedience to what the Lord has called each and every single one of us to do individually. As we do that, church, we're going to be okay. Bring on whatever. And the name of the Lord will be lifted high and all men will be drawn unto him. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We are... um, We are so thankful, Jesus. Father, I pray that that this season would produce fruit. Father, that we would wake up in these days ahead and there would be dreams and visions. Father, that there would be um, passion and energy and new life that you have breathed into this walk of faith that we have with you. Father, we pray for every single man, woman, and child that that will join us as we journey towards your heart. Right now, we lift them up to you. We thank you for them. Father, we ask that you would prepare us for the work of the gospel, for the mission of the kingdom. Prepare us for every single opportunity in these walls in this place on Sunday mornings, Father, but on Tuesdays at 6 and Thursday at 7 a.m. And and Friday um, on a random day off when you bring people into our world, into our life, into our path, Father, that we would begin to respond. We begin to click. We begin to say yes in obedience. Father, we move past the discomfort, the awkwardness, and we simply say yes to you, Lord. And we pray all these things in your name. Amen.